This is Super Yacht Radio. And welcome to, of course, we've got to be talking with the intro because Kitty McGowan is with us. It's this update. USSA, and it's our little bit of crazy time at the end of the week when we get to talk with absolute professionals. And that's it. And that's it. And today on the show, we have Michelle T. And we have uh, a first for the radio station, uh, Mr. Gordon Danny James. Uh, and I have to say welcome to you all. Uh, Danny, this is the first time we've had somebody on the show who doesn't have a surname, but has three first names. So that's uh, something we'd like to cover with you a little bit later on. But welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome. And Kitty, of course, welcome back. Oh, I'm just a, I'm just here for the color commentary. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, yes. Well, so no, we we were we were chatting about the challenge on on saying Michelle's last name, Tiro Rotua, and so we finally got it. So now we're going to actually use it, Michelle Tiro Rotua, and Danny James from Compass Logistics and Marine, and. Uh, I mean, Michelle and I go back a little bit farther than I'd care to admit, um, even though she doesn't look it. And uh, and Danny's kind of relatively new to this section of the industry, um, but come brings with a ton of logistical knowledge from the military and merchant marines and all of that other aspect and bringing that real specific training to the world of yachting. So I'm really excited to have such two, as you say, professionals um, who are not only wonderful members and supporting the U.S. Super Yacht Association, but a real uh, treat and treasure for our industry here in whole. Uh, so and, and I'm excited. Tell. And as you said, this is Danny's first time on radio, Wait. so we're uh, we're bringing him we're bringing him along easy. So go easy on him, Dave. You, you can tell Danny's new to the industry because he, he's got a, <laughs> such a great smile on his face. Uh, he's, he's still happy. <laughs> so welcome to the industry. I'm, I'm a good sport. <laughs> so what? what are so you... um, go ahead, Dave. I, I go ahead, ask, jump uh, right in. Compass, Compass Logistics and and Marine. Uh, wow, you guys do a lot. That that's not really a question, Dave. It's not really that's a question. Just a statement. Actually, sorry. That's a statement of fact. Yes. Okay. So that that was a great show, everybody. Um, thanks so much is for the coming. Question, is the question if we sell compasses? No, we do not sell compasses. Yeah, it's, it's Maybe we could elaborate. Um, could you just give us an overall view, Danny, please, of what Compass actually does? It's going to be like this, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Compass Logistics and Marine is a service-disabled, veteran-owned small business that is a international freight forwarder and licensed customs broker. So what we do is ship things internationally, and we also clear customs in the United States as well as around the world. Now, the reason why we are so close with Kitty, the U.S. Super Yacht Association, is one of our key focuses is the maritime industry as well as the super yacht industry, cruise, et cetera. So uh, that's how I got to know Kitty. Uh, Michelle and Kitty go way back. And uh, Michelle and I have like to, cons well, I haven't actually said this out loud, but the dynamic duo. <laughs> um, they, you guys as, are. As we complement each other in our logistics skills, as well as our customs knowledge and uh, experience. So it works out pretty well. And 
we started in 2017 and it's been a great ride thus far and uh, we're just getting started. Can I just ask kind of brass tacks for, um, for listeners, when you say you're, you know, you're involved with, with transport and exports and is that looking in relation to the yachting industry? Is that looking at transports of yachts in and out of the states and other places, or is that um, more cargo. cargo and stuff like that? That's a great question. It's both. the The focus that we do for yachts could be anything from transporting the yacht. Uh, as you know, they're not always traveling on their own bottom. Sometimes they travel as cargo on the ship as well as the yacht parts and the things that are supporting those yachts in all parts of the world. But when you're shipping that stuff, a lot of the time it's not just throwing in a, in a FedEx envelope or a DHL box. You actually have to ship some of this stuff via ocean cargo or air cargo, process the export clearance of which a customs broker does and we do, and then also process the necessary in-bonds or customs clearance on the other side. So it's a to B and everything in between. And as re- as it relates to the type of cargo, it could be general ca- cargo and commodities like electronics or clothes, or it can be a spare part that's keeping that engine in that super yacht running that yeah. needs to get their time critical. This time I'm actually- And that's a really important thing. And um, in this environment, you know, trying to be able, I'm, a, I'm say I'm on a super yacht in the middle of Tonga and I have this, um, this part that now I have a charter coming on or the owner's flying in or somebody's doing something and I don't have air conditioning or I don't have water because a pump's broken and the spares weren't working or there was something there. So that's where you guys being able to get something from point A to point B and then throw COVID on top of it. I mean, how has that really impacted what you guys do? Is it, it's got to have made things more difficult. You, you made a great point, Kitty, as you talk about the air conditioning, but I, I want to use the example that a charter was going to start on Monday. I get a call on Saturday that they don't have any booze. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know what's stuff. worse. Not now we have a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Forget AC we get with no booze. Now there's no charter. <laughs> how do we get this into the Bahamas? in less than 24 hours, fortunately there are flights and we were able, cause sometimes you're gonna actually charter a plane uh, and would they charter a plane for booze? Probably, yeah. but COVID definitely makes everything in logistics more difficult. And we found ourselves as some of our industries were hurt, you know, a lot of the boating industry sales were up, but we did find ourselves moving a lot of PPE, personal protective equipment and those sort of uh, safety measures for, um, you know, uh, the, the COVID protocols. Who would think we'd ever know what PPE means? A uh, bit of a schoolboy yeah. question here, but if I could go back a little bit, Danny, you put it in terms that I've actually never used before, and that's when a yacht is moving from, say, Florida into Europe or vice versa, they don't always go under their own steam. So we, and we use terms like taxi and and that... But I've never actually thought of them as cargo. When you're shipping a yacht ostensibly as cargo, uh, if you're shipping a box, you put a valuation on it, etc., so the customs know what they're dealing with. Uh, when you're shipping a yacht, do you have to itemize things like paintings or 
um, the actual furnishings of the boat uh, in the valuation? Or how is that different to actually shipping uh, a motor for an air conditioner? It's it's a lot different. I mean, it's really valuation of the vessel. I mean, because we do a lot. Yeah, exactly. We, we did not take an inventory of what's in the vessel with regards to the insurance. We're shipping a yacht and whatever's inside that yacht. So if it has expensive paintings or works of art of some sort or another, that's going to be on the carrier's insurance. Um, and it's also going to be on their insurance for the transit. The carrier also provides insurance uh, that will include any of those items should there be a loss. But so no, when we're shipping a yacht, we're just shipping a yacht. It's tender and it's toys, but what's inside the yacht is not on our packing list, let's say. So, so you don't have to do a customs declaration to an Andy Warhol no. here or Waterford Crystal there? Ah, Monday. No, that's a, that's a different thing. And now there's also a difference, um, isn't there, when you're shipping things um, with some things, especially in the last several years where there are tariffs on certain things being moved from point A to point B. How do you guys ne negotiate that part of it? Does that make it even more difficult? I mean, if, if you're not allowed to bring in certain materials from this particular country without paying a fine or paying an extra surtax, if you will, have you run into much of that or um, is that not really a problem for anything? Well, with regards to that, if goods are coming in and they are for a uh, foreign flag yacht, in most instances, we can move those goods directly to the vessel without benefit of duty as long as they are foreign flagged and, and sitting in the U.S. There are some instances where we cannot uh, move them to the vessel and they have to be cleared through customs. And sometimes it's actually beneficial to clear them through customs, especially if it's a low value item, if they're sitting in a foreign trade zone. Uh, it's difficult to move non-duty paid items into the foreign trade zone for that vessel. So, and in, in, on the outbound side of it, um, every country has their own idiosyncrasies just like ours does. So anything that might be going from here to an EU country, probably no, no issues there. But there are certain countries that do not allow uh, ships fares in non-duty paid. So a research has to go into that to determine what is the best, the best process for that particular vessel in the country that they're going into. So you're saying that some of the spares, depending on where they're going, you, there might have to be duty paid to the country for those spares coming into the country, even though they're joining a vessel that's not going to be necessarily staying in country. Correct. Uh, it depends on what country they're going into, what country they're transiting, and what that country's particular requirements are for ship spares. Um, how is, how has Brexit um, impacted like the UK? I mean, because they used to be part of the EU. Is that impacting import and export out of the UK? Uh, so far, the UK is working on some of their new trade deals with various countries outside of the EU. So that's what the UK has been uh, hard at work on uh, lately. But as it relates to customs entries and logistics, we just had a, uh, a, a government type cargo that uh, went to the UK recently and it was very smooth. Um, when we ship things to these other countries, we have companies 
like independent freight forwarders that are very similar to us. They're customs brokers. Oh, hi, Kitty. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're customs brokers, freight forwarders. And when it gets over to the UK, we rely on them to process those, uh, to process those uh, customs entries on that side or move it in bond, the same way we would do here with US customs. And that's how we are able to complete the global supply chain. Um, to give you a little bit more perspective, we've had to do both with super yachts as well as with cruise ships where we've had maybe 10 different countries that were supporting that one vessel. And so we set up independent freight orders that are like us that know how to handle maritime, yacht, cruise, in bonds and the specialty that we consider th this our niche. And um, we use that as sort of our global, the same way that the large publicly traded companies like Expeditors or Kuhn and Nagel, CH Robinson do it with their own. As small uh, independent freight forwarders, we set up our global network. And that's what I do a lot of my traveling overseas, not this year, not 2020, but previously <laughs> uh, to bring in that global network of independent freight forwarders around the world in all countries. So that when you have that one to Tonga, <laughs> you've got someone there that's gonna be able to square you away and make sure that that yacht and your client is supported. Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, I'm, I'm sure over the, the past few years you've had somewhere that's very, very unusual that part of the process must have been trying to find what avenue to find you the know. country <laughs> <laughs> yeah start with google search you know where's this country but i'm sure like trying to find uh, collaborative um partners that you can network around the world has got to be a, a big part of it could, could I ask it a literally comes and you're using planes, trains, and automobiles, <laughs> sometimes boats to deliver to boats <laughs> because they're out at an island that that's how they get their mail and that's how they get their service. But it really covers a complete spectrum. It's an important industry that that is a large portion of our business that we support and, and we love it because in general, the people are, are a pleasure and a lot of fun to be around. <laughs> well, I was just going to ask that question because most people, when you talk customs to them, it, it evokes terror and fear. You know, most people coming through customs at an airport try their best not to engage. You know, that's the thing. You, you walk through and you don't want to engage in eye-to-eye -eye contact. And then you get paranoid that if you don't engage to eye-to-eye -eye contact, that's maybe what people do when they don't want to. You know, it, it's, it's, it's something that's normally quite a, a frightening thing to deal with customs. From... The people in customs that so you do. So, what are you with. carrying in and out of the country, Dave? When you're <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just naturally paranoid, you know. And I think you've I, got that you evil banana children. in your bag. I know. Yeah, especially now, you see it on TV. Like, do I look at them? Do I smile? Do I not smile? Uh, then I start doing a, a breakdown of my, you know, psychology. Uh, is, is this what they'd normally do? So it's, it's a scary thing. But do you find it easy working with, uh, you know, international customs? Is it is it a case that you know, everyone's trying their best to get the job done, or is it a case that you, you, you hit resistance with a lot of them? I want to compliment Michelle here because Michelle's phone pretty much rings 24-7, 365. So that nervousness that maybe a captain gets, sometimes it's even a maritime attorney, they call Michelle because of that feeling that you're talking about. And then Michelle, her brain's like a customs regulation uh, encyclopedia. So she keeps them 
from going astray and doing anything wrong. I mean, pending they're trying to smuggle something, which we would have no part of. Of course. Um, the regulations can be overwhelming from time to time. And that's one of the biggest values that we bring to the yacht industry, to the marine industry, and our clients as a whole. Um, but you're right. It, it can be intimidating. We are not uh, U.S. government employees, but we are licensed customs brokers. It's very hard to become a licensed customs broker. You get your background checked. You get a give your social security to the government and all the other things. So they, they keep you honest. But we're that go between to help people that might not be doing this every single day navigate the customs regulations and do what's right. You you realize I've just put you onto my speed dial, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. So when he's walking through customs sometime oh, yeah. in the hopefully near future, and he has that moment of panic, he can say, "Okay, talk me off the ledge, Michelle." No, no. I, I just, I'll hold my phone up and I'll just threaten them. Next, <laughs> like, one I'm more word. Stick Michelle on you. <laughs> All I have to do is I have to just move my thumb. Michelle's on the line. No. Well, I have a curiosity, um, of Michelle, just understanding a little bit of your experience that um, brought you into this, because I, to be honest, you're like quantum miles from where my brain goes. And this is a very specialized part of the industry. Out of pure curiosity, can you give us a little bit of your experience that kind of prepared you for this role? Well, I, I got into this industry way back in the uh, late 80s. I'm dating myself now. But I first started working with uh, automobile imports, EPA and DOT specifications and modifications. And it evolved from there into yacht and airplane imports. And the, uh, I became pretty proficient in the rules and regulations and requirements. Um, I was really good at remembering things <laughs> Very handy. and um, from there it's just it's snowballed currently we're uh, have moved um, we still do automobiles and we still do airplanes uh, we still import and export airplanes and yachts in the marine industry just became a specialty of mine being in Fort Lauderdale it's really hard not to be somehow involved in the marine industry in some aspect and and Managing and handling yacht importation, exportation, clearing them in and out. We've moved now into the foreign trade zone marina spectrum, which is new. This is the newest um, part of the marine industry that allows yachts to go into foreign trade zones without duty payment. Uh, it's very exciting. Uh, we've been working on this for a few years now. We have uh, um, another marina that's going to be coming on board within hours. And over time, it's just evolved. You move from one specialty to another specialty, and it all becomes part of the wheelhouse and the package that you can offer to your clients, a full, uh, well-rounded customs brokerage that can assist uh, anyone with almost anything, including uh, military equipment, um, again, aircraft from big, huge passenger uh, airplanes all the way down to uh, a prop plane. So no matter what it is, um, we can we can handle that, and and that's just become our focus. Or, or David, if you get stopped at immigration, you can call her too. <laughs> <laughs> In Miami or Fort Lauderdale, I, I could probably say somewhat. I might just have her beat me there. And a lot there. of that's relationship. <laughs> I mean, a lot of that is be 
because, you know, Michelle, I know you've built a lot of relationships with these um, departments in these areas over years of time, and they trust you because you do your paperwork correctly. You put the paperwork together. You don't put, you know, crazy bogus stuff in front of them and expect them to clear it. So, you know, that does become a two-way street. And that's where, you know, we've talked to others, you know, in the past where um, other guests on the show where you're talking about um, most yachts would never think of going to nearly any country in Europe without an agent, without having someone to make sure that they, you know, their, their fuel bunkering and where they're tying up and making sure that they get their, all their garbage cleared and all their people cleared, et cetera, et cetera. And so sometimes when captains will come here, then they get, unfortunately, they'll have a bad experience and they make it about the, the country versus the fact that they didn't hire a trained professional to assist with the process. So um, that's where people like yourself really make a difference in their, in their experience on the yacht. Kitty, one thing I want to, because you brought it up, Yacht, yacht agents are critical to the yacht industry, you know, and whatever country you're going to. Can I ask Michelle there. just to go mute and first? Michelle, would you mind going mute? That. Say that again, David. I was going to ask Michelle to go to mute her her connection because we're getting a feedback loop oh. on you. Perfect. Perfect. So Thank you. These yachts, these captains are going to have yacht agents in all these different countries. And yacht agencies are different, a slight, you know, they're slightly different than ours. We do overlap in certain services that maybe our captain or vessel might ask us to do. But um, yacht agents are going to do a lot of other things for these captains, these vessels, these crews. Whereas we're going to be more focused in the actual international shipping and the customs brokerage. It does bridge a little bit when you talk about immigration, clearing yachts in, clearing yachts out. But we certainly have to also rely on our yacht agents. And just like some of our yacht agents rely on us. I mean, we have a number of clients that are yacht agents and uh, they call us and we respect that's their, their boat, but they're not customs brokers. So we certainly have to assist them with some of those things. Um, same thing when you're doing boat show bonds, temporary imports, uh, foreign trade zone entries, withdrawals. These are things that um, yacht agents aren't able to complete, even though they can complete a lot for the yacht. So they have to sub that piece out. And they're typically going to have a customs broker and an international freight forwarder they rely on. And we value those partnerships. Greatly. Oh, that's that's one, that's wonderful. Um, Michelle was talking a little bit, and you just mentioned it now, about the, the foreign um, trade zones. That's a relatively new um, advancement in the yachting sector, not that they haven't existed in other, other sectors and in, in other industries where you're able to, you know, bring and move goods and services through a country, do work, et cetera, without paying, whether you're not actually importing that, that vessel into the country. Um, can, can you kind of give us maybe Michelle or whoever, or Danny, um, is the best to talk about uh, explain to our, our listeners about the importance, how, why they might want to do it, where are the benefits. And so if a vessel, especially right now, if they're, uh, as a lot of boats aren't traveling so much and maybe they wanted to come just do work here um, and they wanted to come into the United States, but they didn't want to have to deal with some of all that other paperwork, they could consider doing a foreign trade zone 
um, and potentially doing, making it a benefit to them and to the yard. Can you give our, our listeners a little bit of an update on what that is? Uh, yes, absolutely. I can I can comment on that. The Foreign Trade Zone Marinas is, again, as you mentioned, a very new uh, part of the Foreign Trade Zone arena, let's say. And it's specifically so that you can put your yacht into a foreign trade zone and offer it to all comers, including U.S. residents, without benefit of paying the duty. So once you put your vessel into the foreign trade zone, you can advertise it for sale. You can show it to anyone who wants to look at it, which is different from boat show bonds, which you um, you're limited in some respects. So with the foreign trade zone, your boat can sit there as long as it needs to, to be sold. It's a minimum of 30 days and it can sit there for years if, if that's what it takes. Um, you can withdraw your vessel for up to 120 days to go into a yard for minor repairs and maintenance. Uh, you can withdraw to go to a boat show. You can withdraw for exhibition. You can withdraw for sea trials. But you have to go back into the berth once each one of those temporary withdrawals is done. Um, it's very beneficial, especially if you have an extremely high value yacht, and obviously the, the duty would be prohibitive for you to have to pay that. So once the vessel becomes sold, you have uh, two options. The buyer can import it and pay the duty, or the last option is it has to be exported, let's say in case of Fort Lauderdale into Bimini um, to close the FTZ entry and the FTZ bond, and then you can come back and get your cruising license for whatever it is that you want to do. So there are a lot of benefits. We have a lot of vessels that are going into the various FTZs for the purpose of being shown for sale. Because right now, and most people may not understand this, but if you're, if you're bringing a, a foreign vessel into the United States, you cannot technically show it to Americans. So, and even though we know that most America, I mean, it's the, Americans are the largest percentage of owners of super yachts, you know, globally. So that it's kind of like you have the boat here. I can list it for sale, but I can't. I can't show it to Americans. That just seems so bizarre. <laughs> but you can in a foreign trade zone. Yeah. Yes, you can. The that's the benefit when your boat is here and it's a not a non-duty paid vessel. You cannot show it to U.S. residents while in U.S. waters because it's not duty paid. When you put it into the foreign trade zone, you can show it to U.S. residents while in technically foreign waters because the foreign trade zone That's slip and the water underneath it are considered foreign water at that point. You can show it to everyone. Um, you can sell it while it's sitting in that slip. Uh, you can stand on the dock and close on your... Um, your, your transaction. You don't have to go foreign or out beyond 12 or uh, into Bimini to close the transaction. Uh, you do have to go foreign to close the FTZ. The entry. FTZ being the foreign trade zone. That's Correct. the search people are Correct. saying. The foreign that, trade that's zone. That's that fancy, uh, fancy lingo yes. that professionals FTZ use. Is FTZ is foreign <laughs> trade zone. So, so to, to no, get... that's, that's fantastic. And, that, and that's been a, a really nice added benefit for, you know, for communities like Fort Lauderdale, when we have these vessels come, well, whereas in the past, when people say, well, I can come to a boat show and look at any boat that I want, but they're coming in under a boat show bond, which you made 
reference to earlier. So that does give them the flexibility during a show, but the boat shows aren't happening year round. So once that boat show is over and the boat's out of that bond, they're then technically not able to show that boat for sale in this. That, that is correct. With boat show bonds, you're limited to who sees it during the boat show. So if you say you go into Fort Lauderdale boat show and 10 people see that boat after you withdraw from that show, you can only continue to negotiate with whoever saw it during the show. You cannot continue to show it to new people. Uh, you go in then into the Miami show and you go into Palm Beach show because the bond is good for six months only. Um, if someone purchases the vessel from you, you can either import it and pay the duty or again, you have to export it to close that bond as well. But there's great limitations to the boat show bond because it's only 79 feet or longer, nothing smaller than that. And you're limited to the people that view it during the boat show only and you cannot continue to show it to anyone when you're not sitting physically in that show. And this is when Dave would get nervous because those customs officers are going to come marching down the dock and, well, the, and they're I, gonna I, not going to say, uh, well, did I, you see this boat during the boat show? They're going to know. No, I was on yes, exactly. as a guest. And that's why it's important <laughs> to keep your log book and your list of who saw the boat. Yeah, I was just on as a guest having a cup of coffee. Uh, one thing that I did want to, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you get people who are, maybe you don't, who who are in the FTZ. And can, can you take it out, say, for a two-week sea trial around the, the BVI? Or would, would the customs know that that's not a sea trial? No, that's not a sea trial. That's a charter, Dave. <laughs> a sea trial is um, just local waters, basically, in the county that you're in. Here it's by county or jurisdiction, so okay. you can see trial uh, here in Broward County, Dade County, Palm Beach County, but that's about it. And just to get a clear on just take it. Well, just the the term the free trade zones are these like specific um, zones that are marked out that when you bro bring the boat into this body of water, it is officially in this zone. And could you give us well, some examples of where they are? Yes. Uh, how it works in a foreign trade zone marina is uh, the marina has to request slip activation. Say the marina has 100 slips. Mm -hmm. The entire facility is a foreign trade zone, but you activate each slip as you need it. So if a vessel wants to come in to the FTZ, we request activation with customs. They come out, they inspect the slip, make sure that the foreign trade zone signage is up. And then they send us back an approval letter, which we then send to the marina. They bring the boat into that FTZ slip. I go ahead and I make the FTZ entry for that boat. And then when that boat departs and goes foreign or transfers to another foreign trade zone, we deactivate that slip so that they can use it to put any boat in. Ah, okay. And well, is there a, a charge for this to be able to have these slips be a foreign trade zone slip for that time? Is there an extra fee to the marina? Um, I'll answer that one. These marinas down here, Kitty, you've been watching it the last few years since- Michelle, you need to mute while he's talking. Sorry, babe. The, these marinas down here are at the tip of the spear with this pilot program and these foreign trade zones. And they have been able to offer it sort of as like a value added service. Um, you can, you know what these captains, these yacht managers, these owners are dealing with. The boats are 
very frequently for sale, you know, if the, if the right buyer or the right price comes along. So it gives them that additional option. And some marinas, they have to incorporate it with how they run their pricing and their actual operation. Some of them will charge more for dockage. Some of them will charge a, uh, a fixed rate fee. It's really a value added service that they can certainly charge for. It does cost them money. It does cost them regulations and additional compliance work, which we help them with that they have to take on. So um, most marinas are finding a way to incorporate it to where it's a it's a it's a value added service and they are able to pick up some of the costs that they have to incur in order to offer it to their clientele. Because, yeah, you deal with anything uh, with the government, you know that it's everything in triplicate and you know, duplicative paperwork and you've got regulations out the wazoo on how to do it. But it does give boats an, another option that didn't used to, you know, have that here. So in the same way we help David from being nervous when he's walking through immigrations, we help the marinas from being overly <laughs> nervous by doing monthly audits and reconciliations. Customs knows we're trying to do things right. These marinas are trying to do things right. So if they're if it's a learning curve mistake, we try to identify it early, fix it with training and procedures, and then make sure they're going to stay compliant. Because there are fines if things are done incorrectly. Mm -hmm. There are bonds that have to be put in place, and there are uh, repercussions if if the the regulations are not followed. Because yeah, it is a privilege. Ignorance and is no excuse. Ignorance of the law wouldn't be an excuse to get away without being fined. You're having difficulty hearing uh, me. He, he couldn't. Yeah, you, you were kind of soft, Dave. Um, oh, what he was saying, Danny, was that ignorance of the law is not an excuse. <laughs> no, it's no. like we're here you from the government. You it, but it's not going to work well. <laughs> <laughs> you can try it once, but uh, you try more than once. And if this is your company business, then they're going to say, you should know the answer to that question. <laughs> what was the craziest request that you guys have ever had to deal with no, oh, I wanted that question. <laughs> ah, well, too bad, so sad. <laughs> what was I the craziest could... thing you've ever had to ship, and 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 the the craziest time zone? Time and who was it for? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm sure they're not going to share that part. <laughs> well, I'll share you too. So, I just had the pleasure. My, my background, I, I served in the military. I'm actually still in as a reservist, 18 years Marine Corps. And I was a tanker. So I worked on the M1 Abram, Abrams main battle tank. And I just got one of the craziest requests I've ever gotten just within the last 30 days. And I just finished doing, Michelle and I just finished doing our first customs clearance and logistics operation for a T-72 Soviet tank. What? and a 152 millimeter um, artillery piece. Um, I can't share the details of the, the shipment or whatever, but it was one of the coolest, most interesting shipments. And for me as a military guy and a tank buff, it was like awesome. Now, I will tell you, I was supposed to fly to Houston last week. And if you watched the news, that did not happen. Uh, of course. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. It's been a bit nippy down there. Yeah, it's very nippy. It, it sure has. And but they in the port was closed. The, the ship was locked at the port from Sunday to Thursday with no offload operations. But finally, the port opened on Friday. 
We conducted the transload, picking up the, the containers with the tanks on them, transloaded it to low boys, and then it's off to its final destination. But I do want to highlight one other project that we just did um, because this is super cool for our yachting industry. We just brought in to Miami and delivered to uh, Director Fort Pierce the largest mobile boat hoist in the world. 1,500 tons. Oh, it's finally here. Thank goodness. 36 different lots and containers. And we were fortunate enough to have a great rapport with Director Shipyards, who's extremely important in the yachting industry and uh, our local community, as they're just opening up their Fort Pierce yard. And it is the largest mobile boat hoist in uh, the world. This is for Fort Pierce. And what's the tonnage on that one? This is for the new plate, the new yeah. yard. So that yes, yes, fifteen hundred tons picking up, up, uh, picking up yachts up to two hundred and fifty feet, which is about equivalent to uh, eight Boeing seven thirty sevens. They just featured it on Salty Jobs, believe it or not. <laughs> so <laughs> eight Boeing, eight Boeing seven three sevens. So now I've got to go and figure out how long a Boeing 737 is. <laughs> or how heavy. Pretty darn long. <laughs> it's like when, when people are measuring the rainforest, they talk about football fields. Is that American football? Is that English football? <laughs> I don't know the area of a football. So, uh, wow. They just did a great feature on Salty Jobs. Um, the... Uh, they featured both director Fort Pierce and us, and it turned out great. So I encourage you to check it out. Brilliant. That's and fantastic. Makes so it, it's uh, already been up there. Is it is it being constructed now or? That's it's being awesome. constructed while we speak. They had trouble getting the, you know, just due to global travel, but it was manufactured in Italy. Director has some of these um, mobile boat hoists at their Dania yard as well. And uh, the technicians from the manufacturer are now there on site in Fort Pierce and they're putting it together. It's a pretty cool operation. And um, yeah, it is, it is monstrous. That'll be a wonderful addition yeah. to the complement of services along the East coast of Florida to be able to haul um, a vessel of that size. And if you haven't been to Fort Pierce, um, it's a kind of a sleepy little town um, but it's not going to be like that for very long. It's, it's a deep water straight line in from the ocean. It's a, it's a real, real quick, easy run, um, easy to get in and out of um, from, from the trucking side. So I'm sure from a logistics standpoint, because it's right in this hub of I-95, which is a huge north-south mm -hmm. corridor, the turnpike. Um, you broadcasted so from there last week, didn't you? What's that? You were broadcasting from there last week when we spoke. Oh, from Fort Pierce? No. No, from I, you were on I-95. You were on I-95 heading back. Oh, I-95. <laughs> yes, I was. I was, I was driving, uh, coming down 95. Not probably the smartest thing I've ever done is talking on the radio while I'm driving. I'm just going to look at the, the stats for uh, <laughs> how many police normally listen to us in Florida region. We have the numbers here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when I get nervous um, driving. You get nervous going through customs. I get nervous when I see cop cars because I'm always pretty much a lead foot. So <laughs> I drive too fast. <laughs> Although not much these days now that I have a truck and not a 
my fancy little sports car, I drive a lot slower because it takes a lot longer to stop this big beast that I have. So, <laughs> so those were the fun, cool ones. Now, where was the tank going? I really can't that. share all the details. No, no, I mean, was it staying here in the United States or? Yes, it was. So, it's like, what, what would you have? What, you know, is it, it would make a great planter for my garden. Yeah. I mean, like, what are you going to do with a Russian tank So long as it's not heading to uh, the capital, that's... Um, that's <laughs> <laughs> I was actually oh, just... Oh, we're not slapped over there. <laughs> I was actually just thinking of the logistics of the weight of a tank. You know, you were talking about um, hoist lifts, but a, a tank yeah, has got to be... And a Russian tank. They're, I mean, they're I, solid I things. would say that's a pretty solid piece of machinery. <laughs> they, they really are. And just like this big crane, I mean, you can imagine a 1,500-ton crane and these tanks, they're mm. extremely oversized. They're hanging off the sides of the container. They hang off the sides of a truck. They're extremely heavy. And again, that that's where we like to be there because those are the tough projects. Those are the ones the that you stuff. really need a, 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 you know, a great best in class logistics team that's paying attention. Devil's in the details, right? Mm -hmm. Any sort of mistakes can, can is gonna be extremely costly. Any sort of delay is gonna be extremely. So there's a lot of planning, a lot of detailed work that goes into those projects and helping them be successful. Can I say well, that's pretty exciting. A last little curiosity Michelle, question. I gotta ask Michelle. I gotta ask Michelle what her craziest one was, because I think hers is mighty. Hmm. Nice one, Daddy. She nearly. She stayed very quiet, didn't she? <laughs> Come on, Michelle, spill <laughs> the beans. Big, I'm not a big talker. Danny talks for both of us. <laughs> but um, I'm gonna say maybe the craziest thing I've ever shipped was an elephant. <gasps> well, that's pretty a good. Uh, what? Well, many, many years ago. I think, didn't elephant. they do a movie about that? <laughs> like Dumbo? Not Dumbo, but I mean, weren't they moving in an elephant? They were like lowering it from oh, the airplane. That, that was a movie. Dumbo, Dumbo Drop or something? Something like that. <laughs> this wasn't that though, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> this wasn't that. No. So why were you moving an elephant? It, this was like 30 some years ago when I can't, I think it was for a circus possibly or a zoo, something like that. I don't quite remember. So they got tired of the elephant and now they have a tank. So <laughs> there you go. I can tell you this, Kitty, that the tank was not going to a yacht. And even though these wealthy owners like to have their toys, that was not the end destination. <laughs> Because they have submarines and they have all sorts of things on these things. And we have shipped a submarine for a yacht. That is that is one thing we have had. That's cool. But uh, they, they do have all, if you can think up the toy, who knows? There might be a yacht that has a tank on it. <laughs> you, you never know. I mean, well, goodness There gracious. are certain Far East owners um, that you wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, just yeah. a, a last curiosity question, but... There was quite a lot on the news in the past week or two of um, shipping issues around the world, particularly um, Maersk, you know, the very big shipping oh, yeah. company, who have lost something like, was it a thousand? Yeah, off the coast of Japan, I think 750. This was a funny statistic. It was 750 that the, the boat lost its engines. It was dead in the water, stormy. Uh, they lost... 750 containers and what they're declaring is 
250 lost and the rest are just missing. So, <laughs> what, what's, what's the difference, uh, first of all? <laughs> and, and, well, and, and my curiosity was ever, does this ever come that people kind of need reassurance that absolutely, you know, your goods are safe? I mean, I'm sure they know that logically, but when in shipping there's news that hits like this, um, I, do you need to sometimes give reassurance to your clients because you are doing it as a, you know, dedicated service, so Tell to speak? so much you can promise those. No. Great. Great question and very relevant because you guys have seen it in the news um, that just j that you're mentioning the Maersk one, but there was also one um, in uh, I think it was November the um, where a 1900 were lost mm. uh, off the ship one the carrier is one yep. O N E so going back to my roots in the maritime industry besides growing up down here in south florida on boats i went to the u.s merchant marine academy and got to work on some of these container vessels so i was working with mats in mercy land and i remember when the stevedores would come on and there's these corner castings uh that lock when a container snaps on top of another one but then on the bottom two or three rows they have these lashings that connect to the sides because when that ship's going it's going to be listing right and left mm -hmm. well depending on the sea state and the wind and the storms it might be jacking all different ways so those containers are being jarred and sometimes those things give it's just the reality of it so the way that we always advise our clients part of this is just a liability protection for us but it's also in their best interest is if they're not okay with that falling off the ship which is a viable option we recommend that they buy all risk cargo insurance because there are underwriters that underwrite that just like there is for darn near anything insurance and if it is lost at sea that will be covered to the full amount not only for the goods but also for any shipping cost and additional costs that went into shipping those products. Great question. Hmm. Well, I was just thinking, I, I hadn't really thought about containers being lost in yeah. such volumes, but, you know, having seen well, the remember, news recently. I remember the yellow ducks. Do you remember the, the, the rubber ducks? It was uh, a, a, a container. <laughs> Seriously, there was a. Uh, I, was I don't actually, think it hit international news. No, it, it, I think it did because I was talking with the captain. <laughs> Somehow we missed that. Talking about in your bathtub. Yeah, I, I was talking with the captain one night. We're around um, Sicily somewhere. We're doing night watch, and I I stayed up with him, had a beer. He didn't. He was doing night watch. And I asked him that question: What's the bizarrest thing as a captain that you've ever seen? That you know, you've sailed a lot of oceans. And he said when he was younger, he just started. They were in the Pacific somewhere. And he said, I was up doing night watch like I'm now. And he said, next thing I see is uh, yellow ducks. I could see something in the water. And I, I kind of had a good look. And there were little yellow plastic bathtub rubber ducks. And he said it was just so bizarre. But it was like that seeing a UFO. He felt embarrassed to say it to somebody because they think he was drinking on, on watch or, you know, if you say I saw a UFO, you're suddenly seen, a wacko. He's seen little yellow rubber ducks. He's seen little yellow rubber or he's ducks. Been out at sea too, or he's been out at sea too long. Oh, he's been out <laughs> at sea too long. But it wasn't for a couple of years where 
I think he read an article or he saw it somewhere about a container that was full of ducks. They opened up and they were just migrating around the oceans and lots of different people had seen them. And then he felt a lot better about it. So they're out there. They're still out there. They're still, they're still out there. And it's still, it's kind of like the, the devil's triangle, Dave. The, it's like, what happened to that container of yellow rubber duck? The ducks got them. <laughs> it will be a mystery that will haunt us all forever. <laughs> actually, those containers are pretty cool. They're actually making, they, they make like houses out of them. Yeah. They'll make entire like, cities out of these these containers because they they're easy to transport as 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 Jan, danny was saying you know that they, they're they're the ships are set up for them so especially in the middle of um sort of like a, any sort of major tragedy or like floods or hurricanes they'll bring in these container vessels if you will and people can live in them and it's it's really kind of crazy i actually used to have one in my backyard and i had a big fight with the city of plantation i had to get rid of it because it didn't meet code and uh but there you can do a lot of stuff with those darn things who did you make live in there oh I, that was when you were in the doghouse you got to live in the container in my backyard but it was 40 I need one feet of those long. in my backyard <laughs> Guys, we got it some. Was we got some bad news. We just realised we are just over the top of the hour, and uh, we've run out of time. We've run out of time. Uh, fact, you know, time flies when you're having fun. This is it. It always does. Well, you oh. bring the funnest guests, Kitty. Thank you so much for that. Learn something we new every learn week. Something new and, and exciting, and yeah, and, and I'm, I'm 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 excited to have such a great uh, member like Compass Logistics and Marine. Um, you can find them on the U.S. Super Yacht Association website at ussuperyacht.com or at compasslogisticsmarine.com on their own website. If you need anything anywhere, parts, spares, wherever they are, they can get them to you and get it done quickly and professionally. And so, if you can't find them, them if you can't find them there, just check out my speed dial. I've got Michelle on that now. Uh, for next hour of custom. <laughs> Thanks for the tip, and, Danny. And it'll be right next to his, his yellow rubber ducky. <laughs> Danny and Michelle, ducky. thank you so much. Um, Kitty, it is a pleasure as, as always. always. Thank you for joining us today for Update USSA, where we got to learn a lot more about the logistics and shipping around the world with a Compass Logistics Marine. In fact, I can safely say everything I know about logistics, I learned from them. <laughs> well, there you go. Stay safe, you're guys. My first, David. Thank you. And you're his first. And thanks for being my first, Mr. Name with three three first names. Take care of yourselves, and thanks for being here. This is Super Yacht Radio. This is Super Yacht Radio.